Brownlee's going to escape from Herrera. Brownlee trying to chip on Chara, and he scores! Let's go, Brownlee! Brownlee trying to Welcome to the Buddha Podcast. We're back. Yeah, it's been years. It's been years with your hosts, Matt Crum. And Jake Lucas. I almost forgot my last name there. Oh, uh, it's, he, had, he had weeks and weeks to prepare, but he still almost forgot his last name. Blame it on the allergies. <laughs> blame it on the allergies. Well, speaking about what thing we can blame things on, we can probably blame a good portion of our long absence to various trips that we had, but also to a big, or should I say small... Furry creature in Jake's life. Uh, he's turning into a big furry creature. So, um, yeah, randomly out of the blue, uh, my girl, well, not randomly, but my girlfriend and I we were talking about adopting a puppy. We were looking at rescues and uh, couldn't find one. Um, so, my mom posted something on her Facebook, and my girlfriend Allison saw it and was like, Oh my God, we got to get this Bernadoodle. And we're like, I'm like, Well, like, it's gonna be great, but that Bernadoodle is gonna be pretty big. Like thinking in the back of, in the back of my head, but I really wanted a huge dog, so I was like, okay, we're in. Um, so we reached out to the breeder, and then she's like, yeah, can you come up this week? And we're like, well, we can't. So within like 14 days, we looked, saw a dog. My parents went to go check out the dog, and then we got the dog the next weekend. So we got a yeah. dog within 14 days, and our Bernadoodle Crosby has been a wonderful addition. Uh, but also a nightmare at times. That's right, as yeah. puppies will do. Um, but good news is he hasn't pooped in the house. Um, he's, he's only thrown up twice, oh. uh, which is good. Um, but yeah, he's done really well. How many times have you thrown up in the house? Oh, in that apartment, none. <laughs> I don't think so. Not yet. Knock on wood. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so puppy life becoming a furry creature's father. It's super fun. Well, you have an adopted son. I have a son who's living with my fiance and soon to be living with me. Yeah, furry son. My furry, a very furry son who is getting fixed tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, God rest his soul. But um, <laughs> should we talk about the play date? Yes, we had a play date with my fiance's dog, whose name was Kirby, who is a golden doodle. Yes. And Crosby, who is like you said, a Bernadoodle. Kirby is quite quite larger than yeah he's what six months and 40 pounds yeah he's, he's pushing 50 pounds yeah pushing 50, 50 pounds. pounds so crosby last time he got weighed which was last week is 17 pounds uh, so at the time they were playing he was probably close to 12 or 15 pounds yep and basically anytime they were playing crosby would just be standing there a few times watching kirby play with another dog kirby would just lock him in the eyes and just go full sprint at him and yes it was literally like a freight train. The the theme song for the play date was right. came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. It was it was like it was like Mexico and US were like Kirby, the, the larger dog, and those minnows in CONCACAF were just trying to scrap away in this little uh play date scenario. Yeah, it was like um Back in, well, it had to be like 2005, like the first game I went to, 
is Portelli and Gucci on Yewu when they were going at it head to head. Like Gucci is so much bigger than Oh yeah. Um, like Borelli. Yeah. Probably like double his size and that's what it was uh Borghetti, Jordan Jared Borghetti, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Or or the Miazga um the Miazga Lozano <laughs> thing where he, where he does the sorry yeah, yeah. Diego Yanis <laughs> where he did the hand motion to to uh, to see how to tell him tell Yanis how much taller he was than him yes yeah it was it was definitely a situation like that but both puppies are healthy and well yeah and taking up a lot of Jake's time but uh, and I've been. Also getting my time sucked up by wedding planning, but we're we're like ninety percent of the way there. It's pretty sweet. Oh, that's good. You got you got our save the date. Yes. Perfect. Good save the date. Yeah, yeah. We we actually did it from our friends' photos that took pictures at our engagement. So there was no there was no fancy photo shoot yet. That's, that's good. That's coming. Oh but man, I got to work on my hair. <laughs> Rogaine. <laughs> Rogaine. Oh jeez. No, well, we'll see. We'll see. All right, big show for you today since we've been gone for so long. I mean, there's no way we could go through everything that happened between our last podcast and now, but we are going to do our best and we're going to talk about what is yet another failure in the U.S. men's program in the fact that the U23 men did not advance past the semifinal of the qualifying tournaments and will not be at the Olympics. Oh, get ready for a rant on that one, folks. Um, talking about, uh, on a positive note, two victories for the full men's national team over in Europe against Jamaica and Northern Ireland. And then, slow clap, slow yeah. clap, very, very belated congratulations to the women's national team for their rather cakewalkish... Let's go! She Believes Cup win. We'll... we'll uh, We'll talk about that dominance, and they've got they've got some more interesting games coming up against some higher competition. So, lots of U.S. women's national team news for you. We'll go through a few European updates as far as Americans playing there. Some debuts, some some difference in form, both good and bad. Uh, and we will talk give we will give some Concacaf thoughts as well as as we previewed in some other podcasts. This is a huge year for. Basically every CONCACAF nation with World Cup qualifying, with Gold Cup, um, with Nations. the Nations League. And so we're going to talk about some of the Giants, Mexico, Costa Rica, and maybe some minnows that might be like like Crosby nipping at those Giants' heels. Or when they grow into a giant dog, they can take over a CONCACAF one day. Yes, Curacao is going to grow into a giant Bernie's Mountain Dog and take over CONCACAF, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, maybe Canada can go into grow into Maltese and take over Concacaf. Maltese, yeah, yeah, Canada. You know, they're they're building. They're, they're building. Something. All right, but as is customary, what are we drinking today, Jake? Yes, so we are drinking a beer from Blue Jacket Brewery called Lost Weekend. It is a Citra Indian India Pale Ale. That's right. IPA for those that <laughs> otherwise known as the IPA. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it is a wonderful beer uh, by one of our favorite breweries here in DC. It's a must must drink if you ever go to Blue Jacket in the Navy Yard area. So nice, refreshing, crisp yep. beer on this Wednesday evening. Still not sponsoring us. And fun story: we went there for New Year's Eve, and we ended up watching Deep Blue Sea. At New Year's Eve. Yes, yes. The IPAs at Blue Jacket made us, inspired us 
to watch a classic movie, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I made sure I stayed up through uh, whenever Samuel L. Jackson gave his speech and got eaten by the shark. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Any Samuel L. Jackson speech needs to be waking up for. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to start on a pretty low note here, Jake. As we said, the Olympic men's U.S. national team, which is, as we know, the U23 squad, because uh, that is how the Olympics work. Only under under 23 squads go, except you can in the actual tournament put, I think, three or four senior men's team on that that are over the age of 23. Well, we did not qualify. We uh, squeaked out an, a victory over Costa Rica in the first game of group play. Uh, had to wait until the 60th minute of play in our second game against Dominican Republic. And then finally got a 4-0 victory there. Lost to Mexico 1-0. But we were at, we went on to the semifinals, and the winner winners of the semifinals were the ones that would be able to go to the tournament in Tokyo. And we met Honduras, who knocked us out last time. And what do you know? Knocked us out again. 2-1, to the final score. No Olympics. No more international tournaments until, hopefully, fingers crossed, the World Cup. Jake, what went wrong? There was a lot of stuff that went wrong. Well, if we look at the Federation as a whole, we still look at that gap year. That's our generation. Yeah. Where we play soccer, and you look at the national team right now, the trouble is there's so much relying on youth. There's no ability to get those players that are borderline that went from like a U20 World Cup, like Chris Richards, to U23 to the national team. Basically, what I think the Federation decided to do was focus on the youth and have the youth play the best, which I don't know if that's the best decision. Um, but looking at it, I think the whole process started wrong. Bringing Jason Christ to hiring him to come and lead this team to an Olympic Olympic Games and have them go through the Olympics was a mistake. Um, they brought in the wrong talent. They didn't bring in the best players available. And they also didn't try to negotiate with the clubs that, to bring in the best players available. The two that really stuck out to me were uh, say from Portland. Not cutting called in, especially when you look back and seeing how scoring was not like was a weakness of this team. Yeah, barely any shots generated in any of the games I just talked about. Yeah, and then the second player that we really don't talk about is Conrad De La Fuente. Mm-hmm. He, he's, what, Barcelona B? And we can't work with Barcelona to get him exposure to CONCACAF, get him to the Olympics. So worst-case scenario, he goes, plays there, gets his first team opportunity with Barcelona, or he goes there, does really well, and gets bought by somebody because how they're doing. Yeah, like The right. whole point of the Olympics, to me, is not going and preparing for a World Cup because the teams that are there normally don't make a World Cup unless you're Mexico. Um, but like when you go there, the purpose of that one is for those fringe players like a Jonathan Lewis, like a Sebastian Soto, to go and go that extra level and get that scouting presence that you get when you get that U, U17, U20 World Cup experience. Like when you had Giorena play really well in that, I think it was like U17 or U18 World Cup, mm-hmm. played really well. Went from New York City FC to Borussia Dortmund. That's the opportunity that's lost there. Yeah. Um, but where we went wrong, I think it, a lot of it goes to Jason Christ. Like you look at all of his quotes after the game, 
he's saying the players weren't inspired. Like this is the most talented team we have for World Cup for not World Cup, but Olympic qualifying. And he's he is going after their commitment. That commitment and desire falls on the coach, not having the right tactics and not having the right emphasis on these guys. And you'll probably make this point, but like what happened in the training? Like if you look in the buildup of it, there's no chemistry. These players aren't playing together. They get called into one camp in what? December. Yeah. There was one camp before this. Yeah. And there was nothing else before that in lead up. Um, So that's where my issues were like, there's no preparation. And I believe that falls more on the coach and the manager in the federation rather than the players that were on the field. And this is a trend that's continuing because like, let's go back 2015, have the opportunity to qualify for the Confederations cup by winning the gold cup. What do we do? Lose to Mexico in the final embarrassing, embarrassingly. Yeah. And then we have the next opportunity, I believe it was that fall or 2016 to qualify for the Confederations cup. What do we do? Lose to Mexico. So there's yeah. a pattern here. And then opportunity after that, for the Gold Cup, 2017 World Cup, Gold Cup, we won with B squads. Going into qualifying, we don't qualify for a World Cup. 2019, we have eight people that are supposed to be basically going to be our core moving forward. We go and have a bad 1-0 loss against Mexico. This shows something very like nerve-wracking for me as a supporter and a fan that big games aren't happening and we're getting to that point where we're like the Chicago Cubs or the Cleveland Browns where like we're a good team or the Buffalo Bills you get to a point it's almost looking like okay how are we going to fall apart and I'm worried that's going to go to the senior national team when we go into World Cup qualifying because you look at these players they're not making a huge impact at their club they're not that starter everybody's relying on when you look at Fulham and Clint Dempsey when he was in his prime like that's somebody you can rely on, and you know he's going to turn up every single game. But how are these players that are like borderline starters, not like taking ownership and being the leaders of their team, going to qualify and play a game in Honduras? You go to yeah. like hostile environment like Honduras, where it's not a great country, or like it's a third world, it's a third world country, not the greatest facilities for a stadium. And you have these players just walking out of the tunnel. They're getting there into a super hostile environment that, that they've never experienced. And now there's no leadership to put their arm over there and be like, hey, get pre- uh, prepared for this. The only player you have doing that is Christian Pulisic. And he really only had one or two players to do that to him. So my concern is they're more like this. What's happening on the youth level is going to continue to go to the senior team and going to affect 2000 our qualification for this next World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you touched on a lot of things there. I think the context is important here. People will say that this doesn't matter and that there's no data to suggest that Olympic success translates to uh, national, full national team success. That does that, That's not the point. The point is that, A, it's embarrassing that we've haven't we we have not qualified for four of the last five olympic tournaments being the nation being as big of a nation as we are and we've not qualified at the expense of like you said Hon, uh nations like honduras who have a fraction of the talent we have so it's 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 embarrassing for both the federation the coach for, for coaches players and federation that's that's the first point but secondly 
it's a pattern. If we cannot qualify for anything, be it World Cup, be it Olympics, be it be it a, another international tournament, these are basic things. Qualification is a basic milestone that we need to reach yeah. as a nation, especially given our given our Concacaf context. If if a if a Netherlands misses the World Cup a year, that's that's more understandable because there's a lot of very competitive teams in Europe. Obviously, in Concacaf, there's there's not much, there's not much excuse. There's not much no. excuse. So, yeah, I think you put a lot on Christ. I I agree. I I mean, you, it was it was clear. We we generated very little offensive opportunities in any of those games I mentioned. There was no there was lack of ideas, lack of lack of a rhythm, lack of any good ball movement in, in basically all games. The personnel issue, so, you know, just so listeners are fully, fully aware, clubs are not required to release players for U23 or youth, any, any, really any youth tournament. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, for example, Pulisic and McKinney and Adams and um, Dest and, you know, all those superstars we talk about all the time would, you know, there, there's not even a chance that they would be, the Gio Reyna, not even a chance that we would get them, but as you mentioned, guys who are still in the reserves, like De La Fuente, and and it, it's not only it's not only trying harder to get some European talent, it's getting the right MLS talent. I have I have four five guys listed here that I was just scratching my head why they weren't included. And a lot of them were are in the midfield, which I was which is where I thought we were weakest. Um, but Miles Robinson, who who would have been the captain of this squad. Atlanta United, for whatever reason, because they're all high and mighty as a fourth-year MLS franchise, I guess, because they have all the power in the world, right? They did not. They did not release what could have been our captain and strongest defender. I thought that NYCFC's pairing of James Sands and Keaton Park should have been a part of this squad. They have lots of uh, MLS experience. Cole Bassett, who has just gotten rave reviews, Colorado Rapids uh, attacking midfielder, I thought should be included. And I agree with the Boba say. You're talking about a guy who has legitimate MLS scoring stats not included on this roster. So Yeah, and you compare him to like Jesus Ferreira, and you just look at the stats from MLS last year and how much better Boba say did. Like he had a breakout year. Like, why not reward him and bring him in? You didn't bring him into the national like the senior team. Yeah. Uh, if he's not getting a call there, bring him in to the U23 team. Yeah. Just give him a qualify. And, like, if you're going that route and, like, these clubs aren't giving you them, like, you had the whole entire fall off for college sports. Why not get the 11 or 23 best college athletes you have that are American that came through an academy or the top, like, all Americans, get them together, train that whole entire time from basically September when you knew you didn't have a college season – until March, February, and then have them go play this. Like you uh, have the chemistry on the like on the field. That's all you. Like, yeah, I mean we we have the talent. Like that. Yeah, the team with that talent could have qualified. Yeah, I mean, bottom line is even that we had even that, even if we had, I mean, so so here's the fact of the matter: we had our C even within the age group, we had our C squad center backs. Mm-hmm. We had we had probably our our. B plus. So, so here it is. Here's a breakdown, position by position. We had our C squad center backs, our B plus squad to A squad, and I'm talking U23 outside backs. Aaron Herrera and Sam Vines are are, mm-hmm. are probably two of the better players on this on this team, and Julian Araujo as well. 
So that was our, probably our strongest position group. Um, B or C midfield, again, with the, with the names that I listed probably being our solidly B midfield, and B or C attackers. Um, obviously, DK was not available. Daryl DK was not available to come because he's been killing it, which is good. Um, and then obviously some of the attackers that we have, like, you know, Pulisic and, and Gio Reyna and Sargent and everything, we're never going to be a part of this to begin with, but, but there are, be- but above us, again, above us say, so we brought, we brought a, a mostly C squad when we could have at least pushed for a, a BB plus squad. So we, we, we set ourselves, set ourselves up for failure there. And, and the last point I'll make is that we have not been committed. And yes, it's COVID. I get, I get the difficulties in the last year, especially, but. Over the last three years, this is something that I heard on another podcast, actually. The Mexico U23 camp program, whatever you want to call it, has played over 20 games. Friendlies, you name it, whatever. In the past three years, the U.S. has played two. That's ridiculous. That, that's, that's it right there. Mexico had all of the tools it needed, all of the chemistry it needed before this thing even started. And the U.S. is just the Federation is just fumbling around with these camps, and it's it's ridiculous. So that's my rant, and I'm done with it. Anything? Any last words, Jake? No. Um, on a positive note, there is a lot more involvement with players that are under 23 with the senior national team. That yes. would be a positive. The, the outlook there is that the I rather see them do a great Gold Cup build chemistry there and then instead of like half ass like the gold cup and then the olympics or rather yeah. just go full steam gold cup nations league gold cup get that chemistry on the pitch figure out who your striker is going to be and then just go qualify for the world cup yeah yeah it's it's all the men's national team game now and speaking of the national team had a pair of friendlies in europe over the past week uh, against jamaica and um, not Wales, but Northern Ireland. I have Wales from the last time we played them. Northern <laughs> Ireland. Um, so it was a strong U.S. camp, probably a, a B-plus, A-minus camp. We um, unfortunately could not have Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams for this camp. Uh, who uh, Were there any other big names that we were missing besides those ones? Timmy Chandler. Well, obviously, Timmy Chandler's a big miss, which yes, good news, good news on him, but... Uh, later on but but this but we had we had Sarlin, or sergeant pulisic reina we had brooks we had we brought aaron long over from mls we had um we had let jet uh who else am i missing kellen acosta kellen so kellen acosta we'll talk about he was kind of the surprise inclusion from mls as well um oh we had we had reggie cannon and serginio dest on the, on the outside we had anthony robinson so we, we basically had our A squad. We had Zach Stevens. So we, we so from goalkeeping and, and defense, we basically had our A squad. We were just missing a few in the midfield and and up top. Um, we did have Daryl DK who who made his debut. We had um, Sergeant. We had Sergeant. We had Giochini again, uh, and so those were kind of the headline guys. Really disappointing though. I and mean, this is my first point that we weren't able to. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked about this at length. When is it? I mean, we're not going to at this point. When are we going to get reps with McKenney and Adams and Legette all in a midfield 
with Pulisic and Reyna and Sargent. When we, we don't have many reps with that that lineup. Yeah, well, the seven players you said, all of them have missed a significant amount of minutes due to injury over the last yeah. two years. So, like, that's the thing with this team. And I I understand them calling in young players, but, like, why don't you call this, like, friend, like Kellen Acosta, like, I agree with him being in there. Because, like, the thing with qualification, you're going to have three games in seven days. What's well, going to be easier? Somebody from Europe that's flying over to United, like to North America to play a game, or somebody that's in the same time zone doesn't have to switch their calendar to go from like playing games at 6 p.m. to go and play games at midnight within two days. Yeah, like that's a huge factor. And I mean, and that's what these European friendlies were designed to do. And and I think I think it was also COVID protocol by the clubs uh, was a, another reason why Weston McKenney and. Um, Tyler Adams were not able to be released. Weston McKinney is injured. He, oh, okay. He's yeah. at, he has a nagging injury, so he didn't get yeah. in there. But um, anybody from Germany, that would be they would be missing their next game. Besides Reina, who I think like Borussia Dortmund had a buy or something like that, or lost in a cup game. Right, right. Well, so the games themselves, the the Jamaica game was a lot like that Panama game that we played a couple months ago, where. Started with a pretty good lineup. We had Pulisic, Reina, Sargent up top. Um, they We had Leggett, Acosta, and Musa. That's the other name I, I, we haven't mentioned yet. Eunice mm-hmm. Musa in the middle. We didn't even make that like a hype with him announcing oh, it. Yes, oh, wow. yes. I, yeah. Which breaking news. <laughs> it's not so breaking anymore, actually. It's old news. But yeah. Eunice Musa has decided to represent the United States. Yes. And I am here to apologize to everybody, saying that he would pick Doubter. England. Um, I firmly apologize to everybody. I firmly apologize to Crosby Eunice for heard lying you. to everybody. Eunice heard you. And um, you said, you know what? I'm going to prove Jake Lucas wrong. Yes, he did. <laughs> well, that's huge news because I thought he was one of the better performers, but... Anyways, Jamaica game, not great going forward. I didn't think those guys, those those three guys that we have so much faith in, Pulisic, Sergeant Reyna, did enough to sh- shrug off any questions. I, I will say Pulisic and Reyna had a much better second game against Northern Ireland. Uh, Pulisic was his old self where he's slicing and dicing and making things happen, and Reyna actually found some pretty good passes as well. But, you know, so, you know, it, it, we kind of left it late, and, and Sebastian Legette and had to – really extend that lead. He had the last two goals. And so, you know, the, basically coming out of that Jamaica game, I don't think guys like Josh Sargent answered any questions. It was, a, it was a, basically we did much better when our subs came in. Actually, Luca De La Torre um, was, had a really good debut. He didn't put a foot wrong oh. in that Jamaica game and really opened things up. But Serginho Dest was, and he's my player of the window again. He's just, he had a worldy of a goal. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to be nice, like, having the option for him to be on the left or right. And I think that's going to be, like, the interesting thing. Like, if we go more defensive, do we put Anthony Robinson on the left, Serginio Dest on the right? Um, and then, like, if we go attacking, do we have Richie Cannon on the right and then Dest on the left so you just can cut in and shoot? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one because – in this game, Dest started on the left. So that, that's what kind of I was going to bring attention to. It, it seemed like what was our first choice defensive lineup in this game, which is Reggie Cannon on the right, Zach Steffen in goal, Aaron Long and John Brooks, center backs, and then Sergio Dest as a left back. Um, that seemed to me like what 
uh, Berhalter has been building up for that combination because he does he has preferred Aaron Long and then you know John Brooks is just kind of a um, mm-hmm. kind of a stalwart. So that was that was something that was a big takeaway that I had uh, as far as defensive shape. Um, but again, going forward, a little bit mixed. Um, you had I thought Yunus Musa was nice in there. Um, Sebastian Legette did what he always does, steady presence. Acosta had a good game in uh, against Jamaica, I thought. Really bad game against Northern Ireland. Questions as to whether he's going to be someone we rely on. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But um, I, mean, I, I think it's good for a death player that hasn't played since what September, October. Yeah. So like no, like obviously like he's going to be slower. He's going to be off rhythm. Uh, but I still see like a lot of potential with him. Yeah. Uh, with this team. The other substitute that impressed me in both games was Brendan Aronson. Yes. I thought he was sharper than Gio Reyna was at times. Um, he is. His speed of thought and movement is just really impressive, and he can—he's all over the place. I mean, he is—he—he's what you're looking for in an energetic attacker, right? Um, so, so I think I think that's—I'm—he's I'm, doing great at at RB Salzburg, and I'm interested to see if he pushes out eventually somebody like a Gio Reyna because I think he's frankly in better form. Uh, last thing I'll mention is that we got a. Debut from Jordan Sedatchu, mm-hmm. however you pronounce that name. Uh, he is the striker that uh, had played for France youth national teams, but um, plays for young boys in Switzerland right now. But he also got a debut, so yet another forward option that we can consider, hopefully. Yeah, and he's playing pretty well. Um, interesting with him, like, he actually puts his mom's maiden name on the back of his jersey. I think that's pretty awesome. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because his mother is the American connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's, he's another one of those guys that can play for multiple national teams. So it'd be interesting to see. He's 22, so he's not kind of, he's not quite that, you know, Yunus Musa, bright young prospect. But um, he's he's had a good season in the, the, the Swiss League. He scored some Europa League goals. So, I mean, again, it, it just builds out that list of young strikers that, like we said before, only only a couple of them need to hit. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be good. But uh, moving on to the to the Northern Ireland game, the the biggest thing here was that Berhalter rolled out a three four three lineup, which I love because I have and I think I've talked about this is that I think that is actually what suits our personnel best, um, having that those three center backs. And so the lineup for this game was uh, across the back: Miazga, Long, and Reem. Mm-hmm. Old old man Tim Ream um, across the back. And then you had Musa Acosta again in the midfield. You had Anthony Robinson on the left. Sergio Des is a right wing back this time. And then uh, similar up front three, except Sibachu came in for <laughs> Sergeant. Sibachu. Sibachu. You sound like Pikachu over there. Yeah. Like exactly. trying to get that Thunderbolt off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but I, I thought this was the better of the two games. Um, however, we were pretty. Ex- I thought we were pretty exposed in that that three back. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of gaps and having Miazga as the anchor there, probably not what you want. No, I think long, like we were texting back and forth, but I think Long would have been the better choice. Um, even though I think Long was better at playing out the back than Miazga is. 
Yeah, Miazga, we're, we're still waiting to see kind of where Miazga lands. He hasn't had the strongest couple of years, but... Um, uh, he's done good for Anderlecht, though. Yes, he has. He, he's, he's, he's bounced back in his club form um, in, the, in the Belgian league, so good for him. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be in the mix for a while, but as we know with our center back pool, it's, it's a very competitive field. Yeah, even with a uh, Saint Marine like that, I think he has like really good calming presence. That like uh, like what we mentioned earlier, that person we're missing with leadership, he's a good person to fit in there and fill that hole. Um, even playing wise, like the ball he played at Reno to score the goal against Northern Ireland was really solid. Um, Definitely. But yeah, like players that like impressed me, like Dest, obviously, he's been on fire with Barcelona, and uh, I think everybody's comparing him to uh, David. Uh, David Alba. David Alba. Yeah. Um, wow. So, like, just having that comparison when he's, what, like, 21, 22. Um, but he's going to be there forever. Um, he's solidified. He's, like, an automatic person with Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say Weston McKinney and Dest are my two, like, walk-in starters no matter what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dilatore is, like, a good story uh, where, like, if you are somebody, like, that's hot prospect, you can like, still do well and then come back to the national scene. Um, but my player for the window was Brendan Aronson. Um, he did so good and so composed. And it looks like the move from MLS to Austria really hasn't missed a beat in continuing to grow. Yeah. Yeah, he was impressive. Um, a few other notes. We also got some time in for Chris Richards and Brian Reynolds. Who are uh, Dude, Brian Reynolds is huge. He's a big guy. He is a he's an athlete, man. Um, it's it's crazy to think that he's a right back. He looks he looks every every bit a uh, center back. When he came on the field, I think he was the tallest person on the field. Yeah, like that's, that's he's so lanky, so yeah. lanky. Uh, we mentioned Daryl DK. He also got his debut in the second half of that Northern Ireland game. So. Uh, again, this is this is what Burhalter is doing. He's bringing in a lot of these promising guys, you know, giving them giving them caps. It's it's good. It, it it can only be good. We wish the performances were a little bit more sharp and looking, you know, looking like they have been practicing. But I think for the first time in a while, we finally had a second game of the window that was better than the first game. <laughs> yeah. So the practice has actually worked this time. Uh, who's a better recruiter, Greg Burhalter or Nick Saban? <laughs> Um, that, that's that's a that's a hard comparison because uh, Nick Saban doesn't have to worry about nationalities. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, but, but he he is a solid. Berhalter has been solid for the recruiting. Yeah, but like going back to like the friendlies and my takeaways too. Um, I still see a lot of holes in the team, uh, whether it's the leadership style um or like who is how we can stop like mental lapses like the northern ireland goal is a world-class goal yes but if you're like focused and you're playing a world cup qualifying game that is something that easily happens on the road or at home during a qualifier yeah with like one of these scrappy concacaf teams you always have to be alert and it just seemed like there were many times there were mental collapses or mental lapses and the chemistry was there off the field with everybody interacting but when you got on the field it looked like everybody was on a different wavelength. It seemed that there wasn't like a culture like that's on the field playing well and understanding either an understanding of what they're doing or they're the players want to do what they do for their clubs with the national team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, even the Jamaica, game, I thought, I thought the Jamaica game was a little bit scarier as far as the, 
amount of chances Jamaica was. I mean, this was a this was a haphazard talk about haphazardly thrown together. Jamaica were bringing guys in that had never even put on a Jamaica jersey, mm-hmm. um, and then they brought in guys that were playing in the Jamaican professional league. I mean, these guys these guys probably haven't hadn't even heard of each other's names before the camp. And so the fact that we gave away some pretty good chances and a, and a goal to that, to that Jamaica team, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 a little messy. But again, I I am putting a lot of chips into the Tyler Adams at at central defensive midfield in the bat in that basket. He mm-hmm. man, if we can get him on the field with Brooks and Long and Dest and um, Cannon or whoever we have on the outside back, I think I think that combination is going to be. Fierce. Yeah. Just fierce. So, Matt, we're a year into the future. We're sitting and having our podcast for October 2022, either recapping World Cup qualification with us making it. Oh, gosh. I or with us ranting. Or with us missing out on the World Cup. Oh, don't, don't even say it. Don't even say it. So, if we look at that time, who's the player that's going to be the most influential for us to qualify for the World Cup? Oh, um, I would say Tyler Adams. Cool. Because I think we are, I think we are going to eke out two to one and one zero victories, you know, because we don't have the prolific scoring right now. Hopefully, we find that, but I'm not convinced. And you know, the, the chemistry, the time to build chemistry is rapidly dis- disintegrating. So, mm-hmm. I think it's going to take an energetic defense, and then I think Tyler Adams is going to have to spearhead that. So, that's what yeah. I got. Mine's Weston McKinney. Um, yeah. Like if he stays healthy, I think he's like the heartbeat of the team uh, with Tyler Adams. Uh, so like those two are gonna be really key. And then I think like the forward that's still developing, like DK, going from Alabama to UVA to Orlando to Barnsley, like his is still his tra- trajectory is still going up. But if he does make a move from Orlando to a big Premier League club, does he break in and get that? fitness that he needs yep. to be that key contributor and i'm not sure if he can make that step yet okay well more on dk later on but yeah he's he's exciting i think um i think when you talk about those that list of guys that we have sergeant of young of young strikers where you have sergeant you have dk you have Giochini, you now have Sibachu. Sibachu. um you, you have soda but we're pretty down on him right so we think about that list of guys He's uh he's shooting up that list, so we'll see. We'll yeah. see. And who knows? There might be like a player this year that breaks out. Yeah. Like, Caden Clark. Write it down. Caden Clark. Caden Clark. There we I go. mean, I don't think it's a striker, but he yeah. can get in there. Well, we uh, more to come on the U.S. men's national team. We're we'll get into depth chart in a, in a future podcast as we get closer to the Nations League and the next friendly and but can we the can summer. we can we talk about our national team that actually qualifies for things and goes and wins World Cups. Are you referring to the U.S. women's national yes. team? Yes, please. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, so as we as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, cruising to victory in the She Believes Cup. Uh, did they even get scored on? Uh, I think they did. I thought they had a tougher game against uh, Canada, but um, one of the key, one of the uh, quotes from Megan Rapino uh, was that they always use the She Believe Cup as a kick in the mouth. They always had that one game where they had the kick in the mouth where they would dominate um, or get dominated and have a tough game, whether it's like France, England, or Germany. 
Uh, they really didn't have that like against Canada this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But due to COVID protocols, they had to drop Japan, who would have been like a good competitor for a little bit. Right. Um, but they really didn't get that huge competition to go into um, the Olympics. But they have friendlies against France and Sweden coming up, which hopefully that helps them get a kick in the mouth a little bit. Um, but basically with the depth, depth of this women's national team, you could probably throw in four like four teams based with this U.S. women's national team roster and have each one go to the quarterfinal or go to the semifinals against each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually to confirm, the United States did not even get scored on. Damn. <laughs> They beat uh, they beat Argentina six nil. They beat um, I think they beat Canada one nil, and they beat Brazil I think two uh, nil. So, yeah, we had we had goal th- three goal performances across the tournament from Megan Rapinoe. We had two goals from Kristen Press. So all your all your usual suspects: Rose, Rose Lavelle, Carly Lloyd, Christine Mewis. Uh, Morgan, so you know all the superstars did their bit, and uh, it was actually a good tournament for Macario, who is the Olympic Lyon player and the up and coming young attacker for the U.S. women, and so she has looked exciting both for country and club. Um, but yeah, just a dominating performance. You mentioned they have a some friendlies coming up in April against. Sweden and France, which should be really, really, really good games to watch. So, and and much, much greater challenges for us. So, uh, we will look forward to recapping those on yes. the next podcast. But speaking of the players themselves, so there, there's been a flurry of uh, European women's soccer action. Uh, the champ, the women's Champions League has been going as well as the English Super League. Um, so Press Christy Press recently scored for Man U in their victory over, uh, I believe it was West Ham. West Ham, and uh, in the Champions League, Macario scored for Olympic Lyon, and so this was all in the past week. Uh, in in slightly <laughs> slightly more disappointing news, Abby Dalkamper, Samantha Mewis, and Rose Lavelle all played two legs in their their Champions League. Um, tie against Barca and actually went down on aggregate, um, interestingly enough. So that powerhouse team did not make it past a Barca team who I, I don't even know if I, could, if I could name a women's player that plays for Barca. Do you know one? No, I, uh, I forget the name, but it's like one of the really great people on the Spanish national team. Yeah, I'm sure they have a lot of the good Spanish gals. Um, but yeah, anything else on... Uh, Rising and steady, 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 steadily dominating uh, women's national team players. Uh no, just really excited. Well, domestically, like the NWSL kicks off That's right. this month with uh, the Challenge Cup. Um, so that should be really fun to see. Let's go Red um, Stars! Come on, Washington Spirit, dude. I'm They're from literally... Chicago. I don't care. How long have you? When was the last time you lived in Chicago? I was I was I grew up there. Okay, like when was the last time you lived in the Chicago area? It's been a while, but I grew up there. You're a you're a Pittsburgh fan. When was the last time you lived in Pittsburgh? I never lived in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I lived an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm a Washington Spirit. Fan. Well, they don't Support. even have an NWSL team. But no, they don't. 
All right. Well, tell us about the the upcoming season. Yeah, the upcoming season, as we talked about in like the last few podcasts, um, or future, well, not future podcasts that we recorded in the past. Yes. Um, a lot of the players that are up and coming are looking at Europe or NWSL and trying to make that jump over to Europe. Um, but NWSL kicking off this year too. So Orlando, Alex Morgan is back. Uh, so that should be really exciting with them. Um, a Rodman, um, who's a really great striker, uh, yes. is going to be playing for the Washington spirit. Um, but all in all, like the best part about this, everything, all the, um, challenge cup is going to be on the CBS, uh, sports network or Paramount plus. Nice. So we'll be able to watch soccer, women's soccer, Let's uh, basically go. every single day of April. We have March Madness for basketball, but we get April Madness for women's soccer. April Madness for the NWSL. I love it. That's exciting. I actually subscribe to Paramount Plus, so um, I am happy about that. Yes. Best deal in soccer. And uh, are there some local games that we can go watch? Yes. Jake? There's two games at Sager Field. Um, oh, down so, Loudon. Yeah. Uh, the Washington Spirit play against Sky Blue Sky. Blue. Yeah. Yes, they played them on April 16th, and then they have another game. Forget who it's against on April 27th. So, so are we going or what? Maybe that Friday night game. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. I'm. Uh, I'd love to go see some live women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Any any live soccer would be great, actually. Yes. Anything at all. Anything at all. Well, good job, women's soccer in general, for the U.S. for dominating and for the NWSL for giving us April Madness. Yes. Um, March Madness is trash. March Madness is – oh, my bracket is trash. Hey, my bracket is great. I'm really? Like, <laughs> I'm like How many of the final four teams did you guess? I got three. No way. I got three. Michigan let me down. No way. I got three. I got Baylor and Gonzaga in the final, and I got Gonzaga winning over Baylor. So, who's, so you got Houston too? Yeah, I got Houston. Why wouldn't I get Houston? I was. I should have. I the first time I put the bracket together, I had Chicago Loyola because it's a Jesuit school yes, beating right. Illinois. But I changed my mind because I was oh. a coward. But coward. Not, we don't want to talk about March Madness because it's March 31st and we are excited for April Madness. That's right. That's right. Um, well, great. I'm excited. Let's let's uh, let's record it again. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, switching back to the men's side, there's some there's some fun news that we wanted to mention over in Europe. Well, first one's not so fun, but uh, as well. So actually, that's double not fun because yeah. I don't think we've talked about. Jordan Morris. May may his ACL rest in peace. <laughs> the other ACL. The other ACL. Um, but, yeah, that might be the – I don't think it's the injury that sinks us already without qualifying. Um, but it's a huge blow, I think, to uh, the men's national team. Um, so Jordan Morris torn ACL out for – until, what, September? And then I, that I mean they're long. It's it, you can basically kiss twenty twenty one goodbye for Jordan Morris unless he makes a pretty unless he makes a Zlatan level recovery. Yeah, steroids. Yeah. Um, or you're just God like Zlatan is, and <laughs> yeah, and you just heal. Yeah, um, but yeah, then our second American that was over there, uh, Paul Ariola, um, has an injury and is going to be out for four to six six weeks and has come back to DC. Right. 
And so, yeah, Swansea City, not the best of luck for American players. One, <laughs> yeah. one tears his ACL, the other gets another minor injury, so hopefully he'll be okay. Yes. But, uh, hey, I mean, it was cool. I mean, Jordan Morris literally played in a FA Cup tie against Manchester City, mm-hmm. which is insane. We, I, I mean, last year this time we would never think that would happen, but... Lo and behold, he is now in much, much more dire straits. But we, we hope for a speedy recovery for yeah. both both of our Swansea lonies. Uh, in in super high um, positive news. Yes. It's always funny because we talk. I always try to figure out what American we can link to Everton. Yes. And in fact, finally, we predict we... We we actually did play this game. I think in our last podcast, we were like, "What out of out of any player in the U.S. pool, who would you want your European team to get?" And you didn't even think this was on the table. I mean, go ahead. last time we did this, this person wasn't even like a top radar for us. No, you're right. Like, I wanted Tyler Adams to come to Everton. Yeah. Um, but the player that is linked to Everton is Daryl DK. That's right. The guy who's been tearing it up for Barnsley, who is themselves trying to position themselves into promotion position to the Premier League. But DK might not have to wait that long. I think they've only dropped like five, maybe a max of five or six points since he's joined the club. Yeah. So that's been awesome. They went on a huge unbeaten run. He, He scored five goals in 10 appearances. Plus a couple assists as well. Um, so I'm not sure. Do you know how the whole Orlando City ownership of him works out for this? I mean, he's obviously so, has a price tag. Yeah, so I, I guess they could just buy him out, right? Yeah. Orlando put a price tag of $20 million on his head. I, I think that's what they did. But now they're in a bidding war uh, between, I think it's they said half of the Premier League clubs are interested in him. Wow. But Everton is the most interested, which is uh. weird. Um, but if he goes to Everton, that's where, like, when we talk about him and hit it into it earlier, does that help his trajectory? Because the way Everton would be set up then is they would have to play a 4-4-2, which Carlo Ancelotti loves to play. Uh-huh. So basically he would be up top with uh, Dominic Cavert-Lewin. Mm-hmm. Richarlison would be on the left. Allen and DeCorey would be in the middle. Thomas would be on the right. And then you have a flat back four. Thank you for this deep breakdown of the Everton yes. lineup by yes. uh, U.S. soccer podcast. Every, Appreciate that. Everybody's tuned out. Um, <laughs> but I think he would be a really great fit there. If he is a depth signing, I would be really frustrated because I think he has like the tangibles to be on this. Not a could potentially be a Lukaku player in his prime. Well, that's the question. Is it better for him to stay at Orlando City and be a star, or is it better for him to go to Everton and possibly struggle? I think he's good enough to go to Everton and fight for minutes. Um, I think that would be a better move for him than playing in Orlando um, and maybe dominating MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But go to Premier League. I mean, you have to do it. He's young. It's more money. It's better for him as an individual. Go do it. Yeah. And he also plays for a great club. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Well, that'd be cool. That'd be cool to see. Hopefully it doesn't turn into a Brian Reynolds saga, but... um, we will, we will see. Yep. So some opposite direction moves, uh, some European player or so some people based in Europe over the past few years coming back 
to the MLS, or I guess in the case of Alfredo Morales, coming for the first time mm-hmm. to, to the U.S., NYCFC has scooped up both Chris Gloucester and Alfredo Morales. Oh, I didn't know the Morales one. That's Yeah, that's a recent one. It's, it's reported, so uh, you know maybe we might have to do a correction in the next one. But it is reported, as of today, that he is going to join. He is the 30-year-old midfielder has spent most of his time, actually all of his career, in Germany. Um, and so that's kind of cool. I kind of, I kind of like this because I mean, his prospects overseas were either, you know, maybe going to Belgium or Netherlands or probably staying in the second tier of Germany. Why not get back on the U S men's national team radar by coming back to right under Burhalter's nose. And for Chris Glosser, kind of same, his development had kind of stalled a bit at PSV. So that'll be a nice new chapter for him. He'll have to compete with, uh, Costa Rica right back or left back Ronald Matarita, but I'm sure he'll be able to find some minutes. So it'd be it'd be cool to see them come back. Um, yeah, it'll be nice. Like he could be a Russell Canal story. Mm-hmm. Um, goes over, does the academy in the United States? Well, uh, Foster did the academy in the United States, went overseas, and then came back. Um, but like a few MLS players players have done that and bounced back and yeah, um, did really well. So. I think uh, that's a good sign for him. Um, but then another another move that we were worried about, uh, DeAndre Yedlin is doing really well in Turkey. That's right. The uh, so it's not, it's it looks like Turkey isn't where U.S. dreams go to die <laughs> no. anymore. Uh, we hope so. He's um he's he's played in seven games now for Galatasaray, and he uh, well he he scored a goal in the, the latest one, and also in the same game. Got a red card. <laughs> so, good old one-two punch there. But, uh, yeah, looks like he's actually getting the the time and the um, the good stats that, he's, that he needs over there mm-hmm. in Turkey. So, good for him. Yeah, maybe he can be a winger for us. In a 3-4-3? Yes. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean we'll, we'll talk about this in a later podcast. But, like, when you think of our outside backs, Anthony Robinson, Serginho Dest, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, even like even like Sam Vines and Aaron Herrera, like they are good attacking wingbacks, and so I think it just makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And I think Yedlin's a good defender for us too. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he. There was that was his big. I think that was his big weakness mm-hmm. initially, but and he played for the United States last time we qualified for something. Hey, the United States men's national team. That's right. Not the women who qualify for everything under the sun. That's right. That's right. And last but not least, <laughs> our boy. Do we get a hype train for this, or because? Like, oh, the, the we should have queued up a hype the, train. The hype never dies for him. Hype never dies. Never, never dies. No. But Timmy Chandler comes in. You know they had they. I track Frankfurt is having mercy on other teams by not starting Timmy Chandler. Yeah. Because like, because the second he comes in, he scores. He scored an Eintracht Frankfurt's latest game in their 5-2 victory. He put the polish on that mm-hmm. that for that fifth goal. But, you know, Timmy Chandler. Uh, it, it's good, good for Eintracht Frankfurt have, having mercy on teams and only letting him come in, you know, when the game's already done, right? Yeah. Good for that. Good for that. Okay, well, in our final segment here, we want to talk a little bit about the rest of the CONCACAF region and some, some teams and players that, Maybe the U.S. doesn't want to face come qualifying time or come Nations League time, but um, so I got a chance to see to watch the Mexico against Costa Rica game yesterday, actually, 
they they both had a pair of friendlies in Europe, just like the U.S. did. So they they also had a chance to bring most of their A team guys into a camp. And in this case, it was basically a, I'd, I'd call it a B plus A minus squad for mm-hmm. for both teams. Um, maybe you know de- definitely some missing pieces, but you know guys like Irving Lozano and um, Tecatito, Jesus Corona, and um, Hector Hector Herrera came on as a sub. Hector Moreno in the back. Um, Eric Gutierrez, who plays for PSV. So a lot of talent out there for Mexico. And then Costa Rica brought out the old guard, baby. They brought out 35-year-old Brian Ruiz. They had they had former Everton legend Brian Oviedo out there. Oh man, it was it was an interesting. But it was it was cool to see because that I mean those those teams are likely going to be close to what we see come come the summer. And it was a it was it went as you expected. Mexico dominated for most of the game, but it was actually Costa Rica who generated a decent amount of chances, um, kind of kind of against the run of play. Brian Ruiz actually had a wide open header that he missed, uh, but in the end, it was too too overwhelming from the Mexico side, and, and Chucky Lozano got a header off of a cross. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we we talked about Mexico. We talked about their strong players, Tecatito. Irving Lozano, Raul Jimenez is has been out with injury. He was not on uh, on the field. He is somebody that they're probably going to miss if if they don't get him back. Uh, he's uh, training though with Wolves, so he's been training for the last oh, yeah. weeks, which is great. Yeah, great. There we go. There we go. We got, now we got to deal with him too. <laughs> as as a person, great. As an opponent, oh no. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ochoa played in the other game. The guys in the back, Salcedo and. Um, Hector Moreno played this game, but um, guys like Guardado played, Jonathan Dos Santos played, uh, Alvarez, who plays for Ajax, was in there. Um, so they're, they're just, as we said before, Mexico is just the most well-rounded and maturely talented. Probably not, I, I would call the U.S. the most newly talented, but as far as their maturity and talent, combination um it's it's gonna be tough so it was interesting yeah. to see that all at work but then the last thing i'll say thing about say about costa rica is they're a big question mark i think they're going to have to rely on those veteran guys if they want to qualify they they just do not have the talent pipeline that the u.s or mexico does um 35 year old brian ruiz may have to play a majority of those World Cup qualifying games. Yeah, and I think that's going to be their – if they do have a downfall, it's going to be their depth because you're going to have those three games in the windows. Um, yeah. But maybe that like that slips in uh, Jamaica, us, or even Canada if they make it to the final round. Yeah. Yeah, so Joel Campbell is another guy who's, you know, a, a pretty good playmaker for Costa Rica still. So they, they have pieces here and there, but – it's it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, Jamaica, that's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. So, in the game against the U.S., they brought in some brand spanking new players who had basically, like I said, never donned a Jamaica jersey. They were their former former or current Premier League players, championship players, uh, players around, around um, other leagues in Europe. And if they can recruit everybody that they want to recruit, guys like Leon Bailey, guys like uh, Miguel Antonio for West Ham that uh, they're trying to get. Mason Holgate's been linked. Mason like, Holgate's been like, the, I mean, it's crazy. Is, yeah, the list has been insane. And like, even with uh, Raheem Sterling, if he like he was 
connected to Jamaica. Yeah. It could be playing for Jamaica instead of England. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if these players do convert, like we talk about the U.S. recruiting, they're dual nationals. Like think about like Jamaica, if they could put a dent into that, that would be a very strong uh, CONCACAF team. Yeah, and they're already a tough team without all those guys that they yeah. could bring in. But, I mean, we're talking about a full team, potentially, that could be made up of top European team, or top European league, rather, um, players. I mean, you know, Michael Hector is another guy who plays for Fulham. Um, you know, they had guys from from uh, the championship, like Reading, Blackburn, Wigan, um, Watford, right? The, the guy from Watford, Andre Gray, 29-year-old who scored. So, and that's not to say, like, like guys that we know are good, like Kamara Lawrence and um, I said Leon Bailey, um, that Shamar Nicholson, oh, man. He's been having a good season. He, he plays in Belgium now. He's the guy that blew all of our socks off uh, in the in the game at Audi Field with an yeah. amazing goal. So, I don't think I, I don't think they're going to have enough time for all these guys to gel, and I think they are going to to struggle a bit. But it's a scary proposition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Con- like Concacaf is no longer the joke that everybody thinks it is. Absolutely Like, you're going to have Mexico, the United States, Jamaica, Costa Rica, who's qualified for what the last like three or four World Cups. Canada is a challenger. Mm-hmm. Honduras. Like, there's six quality teams that yeah. are going to be fighting for it. And then two other teams in the octopus. And watch out. Watch out. You never know what octopus. happens in those arms. Yeah, I mean, so you got you got a Canada who's going to ha- who's gonna be, you know, MLS guys plus a few European guys. Plus one of the best players in the world. Alfonso Davies. Yeah, you're going to have that to deal with. Um, so they'll be solid. You got, like, Curacao that, like, well, I mean, it's going to be a tough out for anybody. It's... Yeah. It's going to be big. They have the best, probably the best manager. Maybe Tata is the best manager. Tata Martino, but, I would Gus call him Hiddink? Yeah, Gus Hiddink. Yeah. yeah. Like, Gus Hiddink. Like, you got those two managers to go against. It's going to be hard. Like, yeah. I, the so, more and more I look at qualification, the more and more pessimistic I get. I know. It's just like, we're going to have to win every game at home and hope for a few results on the road. I like, that's what happened to us last time. Like We had to win every game at home. We lost to Costa Rica. We drew against Mexico. Yeah. We got the point in Mexico to make up for the point dropped against Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. But then we tied Honduras. Like, I don't know if we can go to, like, those mid- middle CONCACAF teams to go and win on the road. So that's where I am very pessimistic about qualification. Yeah. I am I am already biting my fingernails just thinking about it. But, well, we'll see. We'll see. But, um It'll be exciting. As, yes. the, as the weather warms, our excitement grows here at the Booty Podcast headquarters. Even though we're pessimistic right now. <laughs> and on that note, we'll leave you with somebody who's very optimistic. Deuces. He doesn't have a pessimistic side, does he? No, he doesn't. He, he, he could qualify himself. If, he, if, he was a nation, if Clint Dempsey was a nation, 
He would qualify himself. We want six Weston McKennies and five Quintessies. No, my bad. Six Weston McKennies, four Quintessies, one Tim Howard. One Tim Howard? And then we would be... Alright, well, for you we say goodbye and...